Listening to the Locked On Broncos podcast, hosted by Cody Rourke, your daily Broncos podcast. Denver Broncos mandatory minicamp begins this week. We take a look at what the players are expected to do over the next course of the four days leading up to NFL training camp next month, preseason, then the regular season. Plus, Broncos fans stop by for a mailbag Monday where they send me their questions to Cody at CodyRourkeNFL.com. I answer them here. On today's episode, Lockdown Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast here on the Lockdown NFL Network, your team every day. I'm your host, as always, Cody Rourke. You can catch me here five days a week at Cody Rourke NFL. I'm the director of video content at Pro Football Network and a Broncos analyst here for the Lockdown NFL Network. Make sure you follow our page on social media as well, at Lockdown Broncos. Like us on the book face if you are there, and make sure you hit that subscribe button here on the YouTube channel, Lockdown Broncos for daily video content and coverage of the team that you root for on Sundays. Not to mention, follow or subscribe on your favorite audio podcasting platform wherever you get your podcast. Today's episode of the show is brought to you by our good friends of their rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts of your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. I'll tell you about them a little bit later on as the show progresses. But Broncos country, this is a big week as mandatory minicamp begins. Every player is mandated to be here at the team facility at the UCL Training Center in Inglewood, Colorado. That means we're going to see Melvin Gordon make his return to the team facility for the first time this offseason. Kyle Fuller made his return last week. We're hoping that Garrett Bowles, he's dealing with some personal matters hoping that he's going to be able to be there. But everything gets kicked off on Monday for the Broncos as players will report to the team facility to undergo their physicals. This is always an important aspect of every NFL offseason. Yes, players have been out there going through OTAs, going through these position drills, but the physicals are a big determining factor. And you also want guys to come into minicamp uh, in shape. And also there's going to be a little bit of a layoff time too after mandatory minicamp this week. Players are going to have a couple weeks off. They're going to report back to the team facility for training camp. And obviously players that are dealing with re- rehabilitation and maybe some injuries, they're still allowed to be at the team facility. I imagine the cafeteria is still going to be open to players even during the time between after minicamp leading up to training camp. So keep an eye on all that. But Monday, no practice at all. We may see some media availability on Monday as well. So we'll get some interviews with some Broncos players. Maybe even Vic Fangio is going to speak. But then everything begins Tuesday for this team. Tuesday is when practice begins. And according to the NFLPA, there will be 10-hour days allowed. So Practice, there's only two practices out of three practice days where you can practice for a total of three and a half hours per day. Now, the second practice that the Broncos will run, it's only limited to walkthrough activities only. And this is an effort by the NFL, the NFLPA, the Players Union, going through and saying, hey, non-contact injuries can still happen. There are, There's no pads. There's no contact whatsoever. No any, no any kind of physical interaction between the players, maybe outside of just touching bags if you're an offensive lineman or defensive lineman. But everything you've seen so far from the Broncos OTA camp highlights, it's going to be the same thing. Everything applies for defensive backs and, and defensive players. When an offensive player catches the ball, you're not going to make contact with them. You're going to do run-bys here. But practice will begin Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Players will have Friday off. And then that'll lead us up into training camp at the end of next month. Looking forward to being there in Dove Valley, being able to see the players up close and personal, and hopefully fans will be on the berm in Dove Valley. It's always one of my favorite traditions. Being able to interview players when I'm at Broncos training camp is one of the things I'm going to do. And if we get that luxury, obviously I'm going to – 
post that here on the show. We're going to have fan interviews at training camp on the burn. But uh, Broncos country, a lot to consider this upcoming week. Some storylines continue. We talked about the quarterback competition. Really, nothing's going to be decided at all this week. Everything is at a walkthrough pace, specifically on Wednesday's practice. That second practice for the Broncos is going to be very important because they may be out there on the field a long time, but everything is kind of at a walkthrough. This is when installation periods, you may have a long, you may have an hour and a half installation period for the offense, an hour and a half installation period for the defense, 30-minute installation there for the special team side of the ball. But it gets everybody acclimated, and all 90 players are expected to be at the team facility. So Broncos country, when it comes to mandatory minicamp, what are you looking forward to hearing or seeing when it comes to your Broncos coverage? Everyone's talking about quarterbacks. I said it over the weekend. There is so much more going on with this football team. The quarterback position can't be the sole focus. There's a lot to focus on the defensive backfield, the linebackers, the offensive line. There's a lot of exciting storylines and a lot of players too, that maybe nobody's talking about. We're going to talk about it here on the Lockdown Broncos podcast. But Broncos country, one thing I want people to really understand when it comes to practice, when it comes to these mandatory minicamp practices, everybody is microanalyzing. Now, I have the privilege of being part of several Facebook groups that talk about the Denver Broncos. And, and I think I see a lot of fans overreacting to people throwing interceptions in practice, mistakes happening in practice. It's going to that's going to happen. That happens in every single front office. It happens for every single organization when they're on the field. It happens for the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes throws picks in practice, but we got to get to a point where everything is not so micro-analyzed. And I think that I've seen a lot of those posts so far on some of these social media pages that I run over the weekend. Relax, take a deep breath, Broncos country. Everything is going to work out. The, the real concern I think that everybody needs to keep their eye on is when you're playing against another opponent. When the Broncos hold joint training camp practices in the preseason against the Minnesota Vikings, and then they play in a preseason game against the Vikings that upcoming Saturday, that's when everything becomes a little bit more uh, minute and, and acceptable to be under the microscope. Because when you're going against your own guys, and yes, granted, the Broncos secondary has so much talent. When you have those guys throwing interceptions, those guys, those guys are ball hawks, they're great playmakers. However, we cannot overreact because in 2018, Case Keenum was lighting up the Broncos defense, wasn't throwing interceptions, was lighting up in terms of just multiple touchdowns. I mean, there was a practice where he threw four touchdowns in a team period, and the Broncos defense couldn't do anything uh, to stop him. So we all know how that panned out in the regular season. So let's not get into the point where everything is is exaggerated or hyper exaggerated. Um, one thing I'm looking at too, also in mandatory minicamp, just a running back competition a little bit as well. We know that Javante Williams is brought in Melvin Gordon's making his return, but I'm telling you there's some talk right now out of Dove Valley that Royce Freeman's still pushing the Broncos. They may see what they can get from him. And also we have a question from a listener later on in the show that asks about the Broncos running backs, how many they may carry in the regular season. And we're going to get to that coming up here in just a moment when we get to our Broncos mailbag, but Broncos country, before we get into that conversation, I have to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode, the show that's a good friends of their better online.ag and betonline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action with baseball season in full swing you can track all the action at bet online and you get all the latest news odds and info for all your sporting needs including nba nhl mlb and all your ufc and mma action we had a big ufc pay-per-view over the weekend it was awesome and bet online was very courteous to myself there so before the next pitch head over to bet online on your laptop or your mobile device and check out all the great sporting news sign up bonuses and contest information don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code LOCKEDON. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. 
and Broncos country. Before we get into our mailbag Monday, just a reminder, if you ever need to contact me, you want to have your questions answered here on the show at Cody work NFL on Twitter. My DMS are always open, or you can email me Cody at Cody work NFL.com. If you're in the YouTube comments here, Leave your question. Talk Broncos football to me. I love interacting with everybody here in Broncos country. Broncos fans have a chance to have their voice amplified on this platform because you, the fans, you really drive the show. It's all about you at the end of the day. I'm just providing you coverage on the team that you love the most. But let's get into Mailbag Monday here where we answer Broncos fans' questions that they send in on Twitter or to my email address. And starting things off here with Clyde Butler from Weld County. He asked me the question, what does Pat Shermer and Vic Fangio need to do to make this team contenders in 2021? Second part of the question, what offensive identity do you see the Broncos carrying into the season? Well, Clyde, thank you so much for your question, my friend. To answer the first part of it, I'm going to focus on Pat Shermer first. Now, for Pat Shermer, this is his second year in the Broncos organization. So for him, yes, maybe the first year, maybe there were the expectations that things were going to get off to a little bit of a slow start. We were hoping, I think, coming into the season that all the Broncos' weapons would help alleviate maybe the inexperience factor, but inconsistent quarterback play, injuries, and a young offense. That's exactly what impacted Denver last year. Now, that can't really be the excuse coming into 2021. The reason I say that, Pat Shermer, as experienced as they come in terms of being a play caller, Mike Shula, very experienced quarterback coach. The Broncos have a really good coaching staff on the offensive side of the ball. When you talk about Mike Munchak, talk about Zach Azani at the wide receiver position, uh, Wade Harmon at the tight end position, and also Curtis Mockins, a running back. Denver has a very experienced staff. Now, the question is, can these young players that you coached initially last year, can they make that jump in year two, maybe year three or year four for some of these players, the various players? But for Pat Shermer, the offense can no longer be in a position where they don't put up as many points as they're expected to. I mean, when you look at all the talent that Denver has with the wide receivers, with some of the tight ends with Noel Fan, Albert Okwebunov, some other players we'll talk about a little bit later, but this running game and a more solidified offensive line than the team has had in recent years, maybe outside of right tackle right now, always a big question. There's always something with the Broncos offensive line. There is no excuse why this offense cannot put up points or be more productive in 2021. So for Pat Shermer, you have to take the point total. You can't just score 22, 23 points per game, in my opinion. And it changes every single year for the NFL based on what other, other teams are doing. And you look at the Chiefs, and they average like 35, 34 points per game. That was obviously first in the NFL. Denver's got to get to a point where they're scoring at least 28 to 29 points per game. I mean, considering the standard of what we see offenses do now at this age of the modern offensive era of football, it increases ratings. The NFL wants more of that. Rules are formulated to help aid the offense. And so there's no excuse that with all this talent, regardless of quarterback play, Drew Locke, there's no excuses. For Teddy Bridgewater, he's a veteran guy, been in a system like this similarly before. No excuses for the Broncos quarterback position to be the only thing that holds the team back. If there's any kind of area that struggles, if the quarterbacks are mediocre, that's one thing. But the running game should be better. The offensive line should be much more improved. Denver should average more than 22 points per game. If they don't, then I think that there's going to be some wholesale changes in terms of offensive play caller. I don't know if the Broncos are part ways necessarily with quarterback coach Mike Shula. I know they do value him, but maybe Shula and Shermer might be a package deal. But if the Broncos offense doesn't produce, I, I think that Shermer has gone this season. However, if Shermer is going to help the Broncos get to the next step, it's being able to expand. You have to be able to run the football on first down. I mean, how many times did we see Denver last year run the ball on the inside on first down and they'd go backwards two to three yards and then you'd have a second along and then they'd run it on second and 10 because everybody knew it was predictable. Shermer has to get out of his predictable nature that some teams pick up on. Now, I know a lot of that is grab and click narrative, but the reality is, yes, on second down, there were tendencies and it, sometimes on the right hash that the Broncos would run that inside zone. 
you can't always run that. You have to open things up. And I understand your playbook was limited last year due to COVID, but that's not the excuse. OTAs have been there. The installation period is coming up this week in a big-time way. I expect the Broncos offense to do more. Fangio defensively, look, all this defensive talent, be the defensive mastermind that you are. If the defense is playing great, that's fine. Be able to manage the game a little bit better. Utilize the you know, collaboration of your coaches around you to help make better in-game decisions. I think that Vic Fangio actually doesn't have as much pressure that most people say he does. So I think that that's what the Broncos, what Sherman Fangio had to do in order to make this team a contender in 2021. Not necessarily a Super Bowl contender. I think that's a big stretch. But if we're talking about maybe being able to be more competitive in the AFC West, yes, there is a chance. Maybe a contender for a wild card spot. Absolutely. I think the possibility is there for Denver. Can they do it? That's a big question. Thank you, Clyde. Patrick Coyote, our good friend, he's all the way important. He says, will the Broncos likely keep four running backs on the final roster? And if so, will Royce Freeman be one of those backs? Because in Minnesota, they often kept four backs on the roster. This is a great point because last year we really saw Denver go with the three running back rotation. It was Belva Gordon, Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman. And then when the injuries happened, they brought up Levante Bellamy. I think that there's a chance that Denver keeps four backs. I don't know about the active roster. It's really hard because here's the deal. Melvin Gordon hasn't been at OTAs. That, that in my opinion, him entering a contract year, him not being there, I, I can't help but make the analogy. I think that impacts him in a negative way, especially with Javante Williams getting a lot of work, being drafted in round number two. There's a chance Javante Williams could overtake Melvin Gordon. I'm, I'm sorry. There's a real possibility that, in my opinion, not saying that's what's going to happen, but I firmly believe that that's the case. Royce Freeman's had a great OTA from people I've spoken to around the team facility. Royce Freeman has had a very good offseason for the Broncos so far. Training camp is going to be huge. So I would not be surprised, Patrick, if Royce is maybe a, a player that does stay on the roster this year. If the Broncos do keep four running backs, it's going to be Royce Freeman because I think it's Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams, Mike Boone, Royce Freeman. What value does Boone play in terms of running back rotation right now? Is Royce Freeman a better player at the running back position? I We don't know yet, but I think that there's going to be an ongoing competition specifically between Mike Boone and Royce. And I think that one of those players will end up playing special teams if Denver decides to keep four. Really hard to say right now, though, my man. And then Kyle Jones from Aurora, Colorado says, have you heard anything about Austin Fort and how he may fit in with the Broncos tight end group this year? I'm glad that you asked this question, Kyle, because a couple years ago at training camp, we were watching the tight ends and Austin Fort was having one of the most impressive training camps there. And then in that first preseason game against the Atlanta Falcons, the Hall of Fame game, he tears his ACL and just a freak play. And that was a big bummer because, in my opinion, he had, I think, the biggest chance to make the 53-man roster that year. Denver has seen enough in him, though, to say, hey, there is potential here. Now, I don't know if you've noticed this, but if you go back and you watch some of the Broncos OTA highlights, some of the clips, you're going to see a tight end catching passes wearing the number 89. That's Austin Ford. And people that I've spoken to on the Broncos have said that Austin Ford has actually turned in a really strong offseason. He's much more confident right now. For him last year, having that knee injury and going through and getting it cleaned out once again, giving him a whole year to rehab, he's now sitting in a really good spot. And the Broncos, they're not giving up on him. He's going to have a chance to make this roster in training camp. And so far, he's been impressive, to say the least, especially with a group with Sobert, who was the signing out of Jacksonville this past uh, offseason for the Broncos, Albert Okwebunam coming off of ACL, and then Noah Fant, fully healthy, ready to go. Denver's going to probably keep three or four tight ends. Now, there is Andrew Beck, who's playing a hybrid fullback tight end position. I think that there's going to be an open competition between Austin Fort, Sobert, and even Andrew Beck at this point in time. And you have to be able to play that position. And Austin Fort has the length, he has the size to do that. So keep an eye on him. He's going to be one of those players I'm keeping my eye on next month in training camp. But 
Uh, yeah, he's having a really good offseason for the Broncos so far in OTAs. He's impressed coaches. So really excited to see what Austin Fort can bring to the table for the Denver Broncos here in 2021. But Broncos country coming up here in just a moment. We're going to continue with our Mailbag Monday. We have a few more questions that we're going to get to. But before we do that, I have to tell you about the sponsors of today's episode of the show. There's some good friends over there at Built Bar and rockauto.com. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. I eat it every single day. You already know my go-to is peanut butter brownie, but the reason I love Built Bar is because the bars, they're covered in 100% chocolate, and they're soft and easy to chew, and they have nine delicious flavors, including the limited time flavor specialty that they get. If you sign up for their newsletter, you're going to get promotion saying, hey, this is the latest flavor. Be sure to get it. Grasshopper cookie was the latest. was a combination of kind of like a thin mint and fudge me, I'm not much of a mint person, but the fudge part of it was really tasty. And I would like you to try Built Bar today by going to BuiltBar.com using promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Not only are Built Bars tasty, they're also healthy for you. They contain 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and you can get 15% off on your next order by going to BuiltBar.com. When you use promo code LOCK15, once again, promo code LOCK15 gets you 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Com. And our good friends over there, rockauto.com, with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts that you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why and they're often pointless or seemingly intimidating question and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand that his warehouse happens to carry when you have access to computers that can go to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rockauto.com is a family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, brand new carpet, or even new floor mats like I just purchased recently. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, you get everything that you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your doorstep. And best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low, and they are the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts elsewhere when you can go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on Broncos in there. How did you hear about his box? So that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And Broncos country, before we get into the fourth quarter action of today's episode of the show, just a reminder, I want you to check out the Locked on Nuggets podcast hosted by Adam Mata's and Matt Moore, and also Chris Maselli hosts Lockdown Avalanche. I want you to check those podcasts out. Now, for Colorado sports fans, this offseason has been very difficult from the Avs' perspective, losing to the Vegas Golden Knights. What's next for the Avs and also for the Denver Nuggets? Just outmatched by the Phoenix Suns in this series. I owe Alex Clancy and Bo Brack over their Lockdown Cardinals a box of Built Bar because we wagered on it, but Denver just looks so outmatched despite the efforts of Nikola Jokic. What is the pulse on the Denver Nuggets basketball team as the offseason approaches for them? Adam Mares and Matt Moore have you covered with all the pick and roll action on the Denver Nuggets. And then MVP, Nikola Jokic. But Broncos country, let's continue on with our discussion here. Mailbag Monday. Nick Condit from Grand Junction. Send me an email. Nick, very excited that you are here in Grand Junction, my friend, with me. Uh, let's get together sometime. Let's talk football. And he says, as you are well aware, the Broncos had gone 40-plus years without consecutive losing seasons. So to say that the last five years has been disappointing is a huge understatement. I don't believe the Broncos will ever be consistently one of the worst teams, but the way that we've gone through coaches and quarterbacks is troubling. Absolutely. You're spot on there. Do you believe in our current coaching staff's ability to right the ship? Or do you think that Peyton will have to bring in his own guy, whoever that may be? P.S. I believe in Vic Fangio, but truthfully, I don't believe in Pat Shermer at all. Nick, thank you so much for your question. Um, a lot to decompress here. Now, I agree with you. I don't think that the Broncos will be a consistently bad team forever. One of the worst teams, right? They're going through a five-year stretch right now, which 
is unheard of considering where the Broncos have been. That's something you want to avoid is going through the stretch where you have losing season after losing season after losing season. But unfortunately, that's been the reality here for the Denver Broncos. Now, I think that there's a something that they can do along the way. And I think a lot of it, too, and people are going to hate me for saying this. And look, I understand that you want to see the Broncos succeed right away. Most fans do. Absolutely. Who wouldn't? Which fan base wouldn't want that? But I think that where the Broncos are at, and I think with George Payton in place, he really believes in the process of patience. Now, how patient will he be if the offense continues to struggle? Well, he knew coming into Denver, the offense, they had the talent. They have the personnel to be really good, but they have to get there. And I think that he won't be as patient with Pat Shermer as he may be with Vic Fangio. That's something I've been very outspoken about here on the Lockdown Broncos podcast. I think that Vic Fangio is actually safer than Pat Shermer. I think most of the pressure is going to lie on Shermer to get that Broncos offense going here this upcoming season. Now, I I do believe in the coaching staff. As I mentioned a little bit earlier, this is one of the most experienced coaching staff in the NFL when you talk about guys who get the most out of things in general. Zach Azani with the wide receivers, phenomenal. If the Broncos were to just clean house, I, I have a really hard time seeing them parting ways with Zach Azani because of the fact of what he's done with that wide receiver room. He's really done a great job transforming that culture. Curtis Modkins with the running backs has done a phenomenal job as well. I don't see the Broncos cleaning house with Mike Munchak. It's really hard to see. So the one guy that is expendable to me, Pat Shermer. So a lot of pressure on him. I do have a belief. I have faith in the, in the Broncos coaching staff to be able to turn things around. Now, I, in terms of me in general, where I'm at as a Broncos analyst, I'm not a fan. I'm an analyst. I, I have a little bit more patience with maybe where the organization is heading. And I think that if you look at the roster, how George Payton has built it so far, some of the players that they've brought in through the NFL draft, and with the talent that they have, I think that there is a, a necessity for patience. Now, really, the direction is unclear. Now, if John Elway was still in control of the Broncos in terms of being the general manager, I would say that, look, the patience is wearing thin. With George Payton, though, everything that we've seen him do this offseason suggests that he is well-calculated with every decision he's going to make. He plans out ahead of time. And if anything, I think the writing is on the wall for Pat Shermer. This is a boomer bust year for Pat Shermer. The Broncos' offense can't improve. He's gone. I don't think that Vic is gone, barring something very drastic. I think Vic will be back. But then again, yes, when you go through this carousel year in and year out, I mean, it's really tough. And I think for Broncos fans, the perspective in which they view changes or changes needing to be made to the coaching staff, you look at after the 2015 season, the Broncos missed the playoffs. They they went 9-7. and They won nine games with Trevor Simeon. They still missed the playoffs. The next year, Vance Joseph comes in and everything is just, you know, it's it's terrible. And it's a crapshoot. And The culture with Vance Joseph was not that good. Players were not bought into what Vance Joseph had to say. They liked him as a person, but as a coach, there was really not that type of respect for him, and he really couldn't lead a locker room of 53 players on game day. That was evident. It was clear as day. So now I think Broncos fans, Vic Fangio comes in. He tries to install a culture change, and he really has. I mean, you've had player buy-in from the Vic Fangio side of things. That locker room is bought in. They will go to battle for Vic. However, when fans see that the team is still losing – It's easy to combine all that five years of just struggle into one and just say, hey, let's blow it up. That is not going to get you anywhere. That, in my opinion, if you blow things up every two years, every two to three years, you're going to stay in the same position of being mediocre as a football team, and it's going to be very, very difficult to get back to your winning ways. The revolving door of coaches, that's been an issue. Quarterback coaches, the revolving door of staff, that has been an issue since Peyton Manning has retired. And I'd say a lot of that is just as equal to blame for the Broncos struggles, then John Elway, then the head coaches, then the quarterbacks. It's a collective effort. But I think that George Payton is the right guy as of right now, based on what we've seen him do to lead this team into the future. And, and it's going to require patience. And I know the Broncos fans hate hearing that. I'm sorry that I'm saying it to you, 
but that's just my belief. And if you would disagree with me, I, I respect your opinion. Your opinion as a fan, it matters to me. Whether you agree with me or disagree with me, I love having these conversations. But yes, Nick, thank you for your question. Our final question today comes in from Jeremy Reynolds from Denver. He says, can you explain how you found your love for football? Ooh, Jeremy, you're putting me on the spot here, man. But uh, to be honest with you, football is something I felt like really saved my life. And I, I've talked about this maybe once or twice. Not everybody knows my full story, but I feel like if I didn't play football, starting off, you know, in the high school area, if I, my freshman year, my coaches reached out to me. They said, hey, you should come out and play football. I did it, and I fell in love with it right away. For me, if, if I didn't play football, I don't think I'd be alive, to be honest with you. I don't think I'd be here. Um, and, and really, that's kind of why I love football so much. Football, I invested my whole identity in high school and even after high school into college and even as an adult. Football became everything to me. So for me, I loved the game. Now, one thing I loved about it in high school, I, I watched a lot of film. My defensive back coach and I, we watch film all the time. On Sundays, I'd go to his house. His wife would make his dinner, and we would sit there, and we'd watch film. I would call my coaches at 12 o'clock at night watching film and say, hey, coach, on third down, they do this. That was just something that, that kind of attributed to me. So football was kind of my escape from everything. And so I played it throughout high school, and then I went and played in the developmental league in the ADFL, and I fell in love with it. And I continued to play, you know, having a lot of success, winning games, winning championships, something I always wanted to accomplish. Then I got into the coaching side of it. You know, I tore my ACL playing in 2015. It kind of ended my playing career. I wasn't getting paid enough to continue to play, especially after having a major surgery like that where I had no aspirations. I was never going to make it in the NFL. Absolutely not. My chances were 0.0, .0 of making the NFL, but playing the game was something that I love. So I, I got into coaching, coached high school ball. I coached in the developmental league as well. And then I decided that, you know, after my playing career, I needed to continue to have that passion. Yes, coaching was fun, but it was, it's stressful. It's a different game. I want to cover it. I want to be able to share my football knowledge with fans. I want to be able to help make football fans smarter if they have questions. I don't know everything when it comes to the ins and outs of the game, but I know most things at a fundamental level. And if I don't know, I will put the time and the research in in terms of studying and figuring it out. That's why I really love this game. And that's why I really love interacting with fans. But for me, that's kind of how I found my love for football. And, and football is now what I do full-time. I was able to quit my job as a teacher. And now I do football full-time. I cover the Broncos here full-time. And, and then I also work for Pro Football Network, directing video content, being an on-air presence as well, alongside Trey Wingo. Uh, some really exciting things in the works there. So my love for football is kind of carrying me through life. And, and honestly, if you take all that away, I, I don't know who I am if you take football away from me. But enough of my uh, soapbox here. But Jeremy, thank you for your question. I, I love it. I love the chance to be able to sit down and kind of talk about my journey a little bit. Broncos country, that'll conclude today's episode of the show. Broncos will have some media availability this week. We'll have interviews with players. We'll have some reaction to things that they said. Also, some of the coaching staff. And you get that here on the Lockdown Broncos podcast. Make sure you catch us tomorrow for a brand new episode of the show. I'm Cody Work. We'll see you then.